Come Holy Spirit. Come now and minister to us as we consider your word for our lives. Amen. Please be seated. Happy Easter, everyone. It's so good to be with you all on this Easter Sunday. This is, uh, this is typically called Low Sunday, not for the reason that you might think, Tim, but uh, this is typically called Low Sunday because the first eight days of any major feast within the church are celebrated throughout the entirety of the week. So it's called the octave of Easter. So they call this the low Sunday because in the way of thinking um, in, in the sort of liturgical time, the big huge celebration ended at the Easter vigil beginning on Easter Sunday at sundown, you know, so, you know how that story goes, and that we celebrate every single day of the week until today when we sort of take a nice deep breath. And I got to tell you, I did exactly that this week. This whole week, I ate steak, I watched a Batman movie twice, played lots of video games. I know what you're thinking, Pete. Why didn't I watch a Superman movie? It's because it's not good. Only the Batman movies are good, and I don't know why, but pray for Hollywood and specifically in relationship to the, the, the Superman movies. I want to talk to you guys about one singular idea that I want to go into depth in describing. It's contained in these three words. Ready, aim, fire. See, whenever we get to the time of telling the story of doubting Thomas, I get really excited because I think that the subject of doubt is an issue that thrives rampantly in the church. And what I want to take some time to talk to y'all about is how doubt is an opportunity for belief and how doubt is not the opposite of belief, but the chance for us to believe. Now, when I grew up in church, I heard this passage from John chapter 20, and I, or 21, and I thought, this sounds awful. Thomas didn't get to see Jesus' side, didn't get to see Jesus' hands, and so he said, unless I see those, I will not believe. And I thought, well, I've never seen Jesus' hands. I've never seen Jesus' side. I've never seen the resurrected Lord at all. So how will I be any different than doubting Thomas? I think doubting Thomas is the wrong word that we want to use for Thomas. Actually, the better statement is disbelieving Thomas. Because notice, Thomas had some options, right? When he heard all the disciples say, we saw Jesus, he could have said, are you sure? Right? I didn't see him, so I'm, I don't feel confident in your sighting. Are you sure it wasn't mass hysteria or any number of other explanations? No, what Thomas said was different. He said, unless I touch him, I will not believe. Ready, aim, fire. Thomas made this decision that he needed to see the physical proof in order to believe. Now, that's not actually doubt, right? Doubt is by itself the opportunity to believe in something or not. Let me just say, for, an, for instance, if I make the claim that I have the ability to bench press 450 pounds, you have a reasonable response to my statement. Either I believe you or no way, Jose. But in that fork in the road, you get to choose what you believe or not. By the way, if you believe me, you would be very mistaken. See, this is the case when it comes to 
faith in Christ. When someone makes a claim about God, when someone makes a claim about a miraculous healing in their life, what they've introduced for you is the opportunity for doubt, right? You have the opportunity to either believe or disbelieve a truth claim. Now, these sorts of claims are different than the sorts of claims we make in relationship to science. So for instance, if I said to you, I was wearing a white cassock today, or a white um, alb today, (laughs) you would say, I know, I can see it. I don't have to prove to you a matter of doubt. I don't have to prove to you a matter of science because you can use your eyeballs to verify a claim. But matters of faith aren't like this. Matters of faith require us to make a decision. Matters of faith require us to ready, aim, fire. And I think thinking about faith and doubt and disbelief in the framework of shooting a gun or a bow and arrow is really helpful for us in our consideration of how we live our life in faith. Because there's many things in our life in faith that we either patently accept and don't ask for any more evidence of, or we patently reject and don't ask for any more evidence of. Some of y'all know my history. I come out of the Pentecostal church, and I never really left the Pentecostal church. I just brought it with me. And so when I encounter other Pentecostals nowadays, I say to them this claim that the body and blood of Jesus is actually in the bread and the wine in our worship. And they say, I don't believe that. Ready, aim, fire. That they've chosen right off the bat to disbelieve in the oldest claim in Christianity. Now, this is a challenge for us. What things do we have in our lives that we have just patently decided, I just don't believe that? So when I'm with other Anglicans or Catholic types, I love talking about my Pentecostal background because what I think it does is causes us to change our thinking about belief and disbelief. A couple years ago, I had a conversation with a young woman and we were talking about this very controversial issue in the church. I'm gonna bring it up because it is a point of a fork in the road for people about this controversial subject called speaking in tongues. Have you guys heard of this thing before? Okay, a couple of you had. Now, that subject is not controversial when it comes to the scriptures, right? The scriptures are pretty clear. Do Christians speak in tongues? Yeah, it's not ambiguous. Do the scriptures seem to think that everybody in the church should be able to speak in tongues? Yeah, it's really plain in the Bible. But then when we get to the question, do we, ought we? Now, hold on a sec. And one woman I was speaking with, she said, Father Dan, I've read it in the scriptures. I think it's real and that we should do it, but I'm too afraid, so I never will. Ready, aim, fire. I think this is for us the way that we approach many issues in faith. And because of this, we are raising an entire generation of immature Christians right? Yeah, I know about this theological idea about Christ being present in the body and the the bread and the wine. I know this theological concept called the gifts of the Spirit, that God supposedly still manifests miracles today, but that's sort of weird, so I'm not going to go there. Instead of this way of thinking, let's learn from the story of disbelieving Thomas. 
when we aren't sure about a faith claim, what should we do? Take it to Jesus. Because notice, Jesus could have had lots of responses to Thomas. He could have said, I'm never gonna show him my hands and my side. But notice that Jesus does what he's always done since the time of the Hebrew scriptures. That when people ask for proof, what does Jesus do? He gives them proof. This is what Moses says to God when he's standing on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter three. He says, Lord, I don't got the skills. I don't talk good. No one's gonna believe me. How am I gonna prove to them that you are the son of, that you are truly God? And God says, you see that stick? Throw it on the ground. There's your evidence. You see your hand? Put it in your shirt. Became leprous. There's your evidence. Our God is regularly in the habit of showing us that he is God. So the challenge is not really the proof. The problem is we have our shooting all out of order. Instead of going ready, aim, fire, what do we say? Ready, fire. Or even worse, ready, aim, 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 aim. And we have an impotent life of faith in which instead of actually testing and trying out the truth of the scriptures, the truth of a life of faith, we instead live a life glib, glum, anxious. Now, I think this is particularly true on the main issue about faith that I want to challenge y'all about today, which is if you have faith, you don't keep it to yourself. You guys might know we're almost at one full year of our identity as a parish as Good Samaritan. And one, one of the big things I've been trying to pound within our heads over the past year is that y'all don't get to be parishioners anymore. Sorry. Y'all don't get to just be church attendees anymore. I'm sorry. From now on, you guys and I were missionaries in the city of Buford. Think about that. Christ didn't start the church so that he could have consumer Christians. He didn't. That at the very least, we ought to move from consumer to contributor. More powerfully, we should not just be contributors. We should be conduits of the Holy Spirit, operating and transforming the world around us. But because we are not ready, aim, firing our weapons of faith, we're living our lives stuck within a consumer mentality that tells us that everything we do is about me. How did the guitar sound today? I didn't like it. How did the sermon go today? Too long. Can you see how this entire philosophy, this entire mentality, breathes into us the same thinking of Thomas? I didn't touch his hands. I didn't put my hand in his side. So I don't believe. I will not believe. Over and against this, is the holy response to the question, how do we then take up our weapons of faith and operate them powerfully? Let's ask God to show us. I love quoting Malachi chapter uh, three. God says to the priests of the temple, you aren't tithing. So here's what I want you to do. This is what God says. Chapter three, check this out. It's Malachi chapter three, verses eight through 10. He says, put me to the test. Test me and see if I really am God. See if I won't totally fill your storehouses with lavish growth. Test me. So this is my challenge to y'all. 
whatever your challenge is, in accordance with those three, let's say, just theological subjects I brought up, is Jesus really present in the bread and the wine? Most of y'all probably don't have a big issue with that idea. Do Christians today still operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit like speaking in tongues? For some of y'all, that's a huge challenge. There's only one way to find out. Ask God to show you. More importantly, are you truly acting, are, are we truly acting as missionaries in the city of Buford? Some of us, our response to that is, I'm never doing that. I'm never knocking door to door. I'm never gonna invite my friend to, to meet Jesus. Ask God to show you his power, to show you that he is using you as a tool for his righteousness. Amen. stand as you are able and turn to page 127 in the book of common prayer as we affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed we believe in one God the Father the Almighty maker of heaven and earth of all that is visible and invisible we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen.